That's Ayla Brooke and the Sound Men. That's Ayla Brooke and the Sound Men. Uh, we're going to be talking to Brian Jean in about an hour from now. He's the, uh, of course, the now the uh, elected MLA. Well, there will be there will be a process where he like swears in in the whole nine yards. But the former leader of the Wild Rose Party, a former member of Parliament, of course, as well, representing that uh, beautiful region of uh, central to northern Alberta. I always think when you look at, you talk about northern Alberta and then you look on a map, it's actually Fort McMurray is kind of like central Alberta in a way. You know, our friends up in like Cold Lake and way up there would say it's central Alberta, but we'll call it northern Alberta. Brian Jean's been a, a, a political veteran out of there, a business veteran as well for a long time, and he's obviously got a huge amount of support. Uh, that was evidenced last night with a 64% uh, show of support in this by-election, winning the Fort McMurray-Laclabiche seat and immediately coming in and uh, chastising and criticizing the Premier's leadership. It's a fascinating thing to take a look at. But before we officially get things going this morning, before we get into the show, I, I, if you're like me, when you hear people talking about cryptocurrency or in particular about Bitcoin, you have questions some of them might feel a little entry level and, and some of them might be advanced. Maybe you're learning more and more every day. I encourage you to take your questions to the team at Bitcoin Well, including Benny. I put all my questions in front of Benny. You can book your consultation today online or in person at BitcoinWell.com slash consultation or give them a call at 1-888-711-3866. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. John, why don't we just throw to a little bit of video? This was uh, just hours ago. Uh, the results were taking a while to come in. I think everybody kind of knew what the results were going to be, but you still got to hold the votes, right? So this is what Brian Jean had to say, a portion of it, late last night. I'm going to tell you, first of all, that I had great hopes for Jason Kenney. I did. I left politics thinking that I left it in great hands. An amazing talker, but not a great decision maker. And now, here we are. Here we are. My friends. My friends. We need to expect better from our politicians. We need to expect better from people that should be serving us instead of us serving them. They work for us, and all of these things that have been taking place all of these infringements and all of this activism is a result of failure of leadership. That's why leadership in the UCP needs to change. With your help, on April 9th, we'll do just that. So there you have him talking about April 9th. And, of course, you know what that is. That's Jason Kenney's leadership review. And they've sold thousands. By the way, they've, they've got thousands of RSVPs. I heard from a pretty reliable source that there's between seven and 9,000 uh, confirmed votes that are going to be cast coming up on April 9th, which is a, a hugely significant amount. Will it be an indictment of Jason Kenney's leadership, or will it be a, uh, a coordinated and organized show of support? You remember uh, the Premier's chief of staff, Pam Livingston's taking a leave of absence from the premier's office to quarterback his leadership review, the response to it, the campaign leading up to it. Well, now you've got in a remarkable scenario. I mean, think of how bonkers this is. You've got an MLA coming in who was a contender in the most recent leadership race against Jason Kenney. He was the contender in the most recent leadership race. When you're talking about this alleged kamikaze campaign, the ongoing RCMP investigation, I mean, 
all of the criticism around Jason Kenney and his team and what they allegedly did for him to seek that leadership was on the backs of and at the expense of Brian Jean. And now he's back. But does anybody actually believe that Brian Jean is going to secure enough support within the party to take it? From the tight grasp of Jason Kenney, not a chance, right? Not any reasonable person would believe that Brian Jean's going to roll in and steal the whole party. But could he roll in and take 15 or 17 or 20 MLAs with him? Maybe. There's probably a lot of MLAs that are that are in this party right now, sitting as part of this united conservative party that share the disdain that many Albertans feel toward Jason Kenney and how he managed the pandemic, but maybe not in the way that you think. Not because they don't believe there weren't enough mask mandates or there wasn't enough of a priority placed on vaccination or what have you. It's the flip side. It's the largely rural ridings, right? Southern Alberta, Northern Alberta, maybe in and around Central Alberta, maybe not Red Deer in particular, but probably. And then all of those surrounding communities too that are saying, Things looked pretty good for us when the Wild Rose Party was healthy, when the PCs had their entitlement and their corruption, and we were the ones focusing on grassroots and what the people want and government accountability and small government and low taxes and all of the things that the Wild Rose used to talk about. These are the MLAs that have signed their names publicly to criticisms of the premier. You remember that list of 17? Angela Pitt down in Airdrie, her name jumps out. You remember Todd Lowen and Drew Barnes kicked out of the party, now sitting as independent MLAs. There's a whole bunch of the so-called social conservatives or the grassroots, the right wing of the party, whatever you want to call them. That's not a slur. It's not an insult. It's where they are on the spectrum. A whole bunch of them right now that are paying a lot closer attention to Brian Jean now that he's got that seat. So what does it mean for the party? Is this a party that is going to inevitably split before 2023, before Albertans vote again? Is this the type of scenario where Jason Kenney resigns? Probably not. So how does the dynamic look moving forward? That is the question. I see that Gina's chiming chiming in on our live chat. Gina, uh, thanks for joining us this morning, watching us on YouTube. She says there was pathetic voter turnout. That's one thing, Hoyles. I mean, Brian Jean secures about just under 64%, about 63.8%, but I think there were still some polls reporting, and numbers can, can change just a little bit. The win is confirmed, but, but he secured, what, about 2,400 votes? Not a ton. Yeah, 5,800 votes were cast. Total. Total. Yeah. So, sure, he got, they say they're calling it a landslide win with 63% of the vote. Yeah. Uh, but... Not even 6,000 folks. Yeah. I think maybe, uh, and I know that this is not a good thing, and I'm not suggesting that this is a good thing, but maybe a lot of people go, the, the outcome is inevitable here. Mm. <laughs> kind of, either Brian Jean's your no. guy and you go, he's, I know, and I'm not saying it's the <laughs> no. right, I'm not saying it's the right way to think. <laughs> But I saw, you know, for example, and I'm not trying to take pot shots at those. Everybody that runs in an election, I applaud you. And it takes courage to put your name out there. And it takes hard work. And you knock on the doors and you get a team together. And there's all the volunteers. And I am not mocking other people that ran. But, I mean, there were people that that received dozens of votes, right? There were a couple people that barely received 100. One of them in particular that received about 40 votes, I think. And their party was saying, hey, good on you. I think it was the Alberta Liberals were saying, we appreciate that you, you, you laid the groundwork for a strong campaign in 23. And they, and they wanted to make sure that, that, that left-leaning or liberal or centrist voters up in Fort McMurray knew that they had an option too. But really, 
this was all about Brian Jean. I mean, that's what this whole thing was about. And I bet you a whole bunch of people thought, well, he's going to win this one. I mean, this is semantics. Let's see what happens April 9th. I got some messages from some people up in Fort mm. McMurray. Uh, I had one from a, from a union leader up there, and uh, this is a guy that, and, and, and don't make assumptions that because somebody's a union leader that they're going to vote a certain way. I don't think that's a fair way to look at it either. But Chris Flett reached out to me. Uh, shout out to Chris, a real talker, and he said April 9th is a day worth marking on your calendar. If Kenny loses the confidence of the party, Brian Jean sticks around. Chris says if not, in other words, if Kenny comes out shining on this one, uh, Chris figures that Brian Jean will likely quit, he says, for the third time. He says, but the residents of Fort McMurray will still love him for it. I'll ask Brian Jean about that when we talk to him. We expect to connect with him if you're tuning in live right now in just under an hour. If you're listening to the podcast or watching us later on YouTube in about 45 minutes down the line on the show. So Brian Jean coming up. Uh, the premier did congratulate him last night. Jason Kenny with the least enthusiastic congratulations we've ever seen. But the guy's coming to stab him in the back. I mean, on this one, uh, well, here's what Jason Kenny had to say. Congratulations to Brian G. Keep in mind, Jason Kenny's party won last night. They won the by-election last night. Congratulations to Brian Jean and the United Conservative team on winning the Fort McMurray-Lac-Labish by-election. Thank you to all the candidates and their volunteers for their commitment to democracy and to local voters for participating in the electoral process. I actually thought that was pretty gracious uh, on behalf of the Premier because I said on the record before, uh, if I was the Premier, I would not let him run. And I would take the criticism for it. I mean, you look at what, you know, for example, in some ridings, uh, there's that MLA scow down in southern Alberta. Uh, there was another one that's, uh, it was in uh, uh, Jason Nixon's uh, Rocky Mountain House, Rimby Rocky Mountain House, that area. There were challengers for the nomination, and the premier has squashed both of them. And it's raised the ire of a bunch of people. Kenny's saying, you are not permitted to run against these two MLAs. People are going, well, this is a little heavy-handed. But he did not apply that heavy hand with Brian Jean's candidacy. And I think it's nuts. Because I think that this is a scenario where there is no positive outcome for Jason Kenny here. Why do you think he didn't? I have no idea. Because he's been, like you said, he's been very heavy-handed. He has, you know, kept people very much in line with threats of being booted. Yeah, and has booted and some has people, people, right? Precisely. Todd Lowe and Drew Barnes, I mean, they're out. Uh, some have been stripped of cabinet posts, like Leela Ahir, but she's still a member of the party, a relatively popular MLA. Keeping an eye on Leela here. and just see what, what the next year looks like for her. Are you noticing something, though? Huh? That his measures are seeming to weaken or become less severe. Because first off, he booted the folks from cabinet. Right. Then, or no, out of the party. Then out of cabinet. So one less severe. And now just let Brian Jean do whatever the hell he wants. Uh, Tony says uh, he's winning the oil lottery. You know, Kenny's beaming and he's on the side of possibly keeping his leadership. Let's not forget that. For sure. Uh, but I don't know. I don't th- I don't think you get like I said, if it's between seven and nine thousand or maybe even more by the time April 9th gets here down in Red Deer, they're showing up to cast this ballot uh, to have their say on, on Jason Kenney's future leadership or lack thereof within this party. You have to assume uh, there's more at play than a budget deficit. You have to assume there's more to this than where the price of oil is at that many people motivated to show up or to cast their ballot and to have their say. Sandra says, could the premier really have stopped Brian Jean from running? Absolutely. That party can deny a candidacy for any reason. We found something. There was a reason. We're, you know, or you just say no answer at all. Jason Kenny could have looked into the camera and said, this guy, I've already commented on this on Real Talk, but Kenny could have, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's water under the bridge now. Brian Jean's going to be an MLA whether you like it or not uh, for how long remains to be seen. 
But Kenny could have simply said, this guy is running on the mandate to bring our party to its knees. We worked hard to unite it, and I will not let it happen. And if you want to cast or have your say on, on my decision as leader to try to keep this party together, then you can vote a different way if you see fit in 2023. I mean, he could have said that. Or he could have said, I'm not going to let him run, and if you don't like it, you can have your say on April 9th. Ah, maybe that's it. Maybe the premier didn't want to see 5,000 people coming down from Fort McMurray to Red Deer for the weekend to vote him out for not allowing their guy to find his way back into the party, to find his foot back in the door. I, Brian Jean's going to join us. We'll see. I mean, I want to just ask him. We've, he's got a busy morning. Obviously, everybody wants to talk to him, and, and he's in transit. He's going to be on his way to Edmonton today, so we're going to keep it a relatively quick one. We'll talk to him again, uh, but Brian Jean coming up a little later on in the show. Dr. Ubaka Ogbogu, the deranged NDP law professor, so characterized by Alberta's premier. It's a pretty Alberta-heavy show today, by the way, is going to join us in just a second. I'm looking forward to checking in with him. We're going to take you out to the mountains today. My Jasper memories coming up, and then energy journalist Markham Hislop right before Brian Jean. So there's going to be a lot of talk about energy, the oil sands, that beautiful region that boreal forest in and around Fort McMurray. That's coming up on the show. Before we get to Dr. Ogbogu, I want to remind you about Power Ed at Athabasca University and the amazing opportunity right now. If you're feeling like it's time for maybe a career refresh, a new opportunity, check out the Artificial Intelligence Ethics micro-credential at Athabasca University. That's powered.athabascau.ca. This is an awesome opportunity to learn a little bit more about the implementation of artificial intelligence. It's virtually impacting every area of our lives but the ethics around it, how much do we understand about them? What needs to be on our radar? What needs to be overseen or managed? And what could that mean for you with regards to your next career? Check this out. It works very simple. It's all laid out on the site for you. This micro course, just two weeks long with about 10 to 12 hours a week. Of course, that also means a 25 hour week. You can do it in half the time, six hour weeks. I'm not trying to blow everybody away with my math, but you're still done in a month. The certificate duration, three to six months. It's online, on-demand, self-paced at an affordable cost. You can find out more about this AI ethics micro-credential at powered.athabascau.ca. I also want to talk to you about these mine pet platters that we got as a family through Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. You're feeding your dogs right now in the standard doggy dish, you know, that kind of stainless steel bowl, looks like it could be for coleslaw or dog food, bangs around the floor, makes a mess everywhere. Dogs are straining for it. They sound like hyenas crushing away at the zebra bones every time they're trying to get at it. These mine pet, can you tell I've been watching too much Nature is Gnarly on Instagram? Mine Pet Platter is designed to recreate a healthy, natural eating environment for your dog when they're getting into their grand dog quality raw food. It's got divots in it. It's got borders around. There's no barriers to the visual element of the pup's eating. If you're going, why is this important? Check out Grand Dog Essentials on Instagram. You'll see. Don't forget the promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first-time order delivered to your door at granddog.ca. All right, well, this is a story that flared up a, a little while ago, and uh, I know that it grabbed everybody's attention. That's what happens when prominent elected officials like premiers chime into relatively private conversations. You will say nothing on Twitter is private, but let's say a public statement by a private individual. 
Does Dr. Ogbogu qualify? You can make up your mind. A while ago, he tweeted as the mask mandate was being lifted uh, across the province and then ultimately in Edmonton. You remember those changes to the Municipal Governance Act? You remember the province saying to the city of Edmonton, we don't like your mask mandate. We're going to change it on your behalf. So Ubaka, a law professor at the University of Alberta, tweets, I'm just going to wear a mask now to spite Kenny. He says, staying healthy and protecting my community are now secondary objectives. Well, that's when the premier chimes in, or at least one of his comms staff on his Facebook page. Jason Kenny writes, it's sad to see how deranged the left has become. This NDP law professor will wear a mask to spite me. Why is everything always so political to these lefties? And why is the NDP angry about getting life back to normal? Let's ask this deranged NDP law professor, Dr. Ubaka Ogbogu, back on the show. Now, you know we're saying it with a a little bit of fun, tongue-in-cheek, but this is actually, I mean, all smiles and jokes aside, this has been a huge headache for you. Yeah, it it has been. Um, This is the second time it's happening uh, where the the premier and his uh, uh, army of uh, uh, issues managers or whoever, you know, controls his comms uh, have attacked me this way uh, on social media. And that has led, uh, in fact, they've basically uh, engaged their army of supporters to come after me, uh, calling my office and sending me racist uh, and hateful messages. So it, it's it's very concerning because uh, they may think, uh, you know, it's, it's something that they can get away with, but it actually has a very severe impact on my life. Uh, it, it's made me remove my contact information from uh, public, from my public profile. Uh, it's caused me to fear that I, I might be attacked and I can't go into my office now uh, because that's one place at least people know how to find me. They know I work at the University of Alberta and they know I work at the Faculty of Law. Uh, and so it's a real headache for me. Uh, and of course, there's the uh, emotional and psychological anguish that I feel when I, I get to hear these messages. This this last message that was provoked by the by the premier's tweet that everyone just saw, uh, uh, because nobody can get my phone number now, they actually started to call my colleagues, and one of my colleagues forwarded the voicemail to me and told me not to listen to it. She said she couldn't get through the first few seconds of it. That's how bad it was. And this is not. Uh, I mean, I know that you've put up with a ton of crap. Uh, you and I have talked about some of the some of the online interactions you've had, and 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 some of them have have obviously been completely unacceptable. But you noticed a point after the premier's post there, where you would draw a direct line and say this ramping up of hate, these threats. I mean, we'll talk about this campus security involvement here, or, or the police involvement mm-hmm. here. You're drawing a direct line, saying the minute that the premier posted that and put that out there and and refused to delete it. That that's when this stuff started? Absolutely. It, it's not just that there's a direct line. It's actually mentioned in these messages. So in the emails that I got, the person who is emailing me cites the premier's uh, uh, tweets and social media posts. So that's the reason why they emailed me. It's, it's, it's a very direct link. Uh, and the, the person is saying, you know, uh, I'm NDP uh, and I should stop attacking the premier. Uh, they are citing the actual posts uh, and the premier knows this uh, because that if you look at the post uh, the post uh, is full of lies you know um, it calls me deranged 
or part of a group of deranged persons, says I'm an NDP law professor, and then starts talking about how I'm being political. So using a lie to engage his supporters to attack me, that was the intent of the tweet. As a matter of fact, he tweeted it uh, and then deleted the tweet, which is curious, and then took it to Facebook. Yeah. Right? So, so why would he delete it on, on Twitter uh, and not on Facebook? It, it's a very specific plan to engineer an attack against me. You know, there, it, was, it was this way for four years or so when Donald Trump was in the White House where, where things would happen or things would be said. And in a way, because there was something outrageous and new, every couple of days, it all started to feel, in a way, par for the course. I won't say normal because it never felt normal. But people would say, well, it's just another day. Have you ever taken a second and just sat back and said, the elected premier of the province of Alberta took to his Facebook account with about 300,000 people following that account and is calling you deranged. I mean, do you take a second and think about the magnitude of the bigger picture of how this guy is approaching what comes with this office? Exactly. And in the context of the time we're living in, in the context of a time where People are really angry about a lot of things. We've seen, you know, these protests that, you know, were pretty much nationwide. We've seen a lot of people angry about how politicized the pandemic has become. We've seen a lot of people who are angry about, you know, things that have to do with race. And so to single out me, a black person, uh, you know, look, the premier, it's fair game. He can come back at me with criticisms. He can say, look, I, I am, I, I'm going to do things out of spiteful Baca. He can say, you know, uh, Baca is not a good teacher, whatever, right? But he cannot, as the premier of Alberta, first of all, I don't think he should be concerned with me at all. He has bigger problems than me, like, I, I don't know, governing a province. But even if he had to do that, he shouldn't single me out a black person and then put me out in that way using a lie. He knows I have no affiliations with the NDP. And to use that lie to frame me and say, I have, it's, I'm making a political attack for something that's basically a joke. And he knows this. I don't think the premier is an idiot. I think he's sophisticated enough to know that I was joking, right? And that what I was saying is merely just a political criticism of him for his policies. But for him to single me out as a black person, and engage me in that way. And, and, and that's why I got these calls and these messages that are racist and hateful in nature. That's exactly what he wanted to achieve. It, it is not just a low blow. It is unheard of. Uh, I mean, I, I, this kind of thing you only see in dictatorships. You know, people with very fragile egos going after people who cannot really, I don't know what impact I'm gonna have on the premier. I don't know why he cares. Right? I'm, a, I'm just a citizen expressing my views about his policies. I, I don't know why he will stoop that low, except to say that he has a very fragile ego. He's somebody who you know, thinks there's something to be gained from this, but, but he also wants to see me hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a person and it's an office that likes to inflict pain on its critics. Uh, you and I both know that. So you've reached out to his office. Uh, obviously, 
Uh, you can swing a heavy hammer if you want. I mean, uh, everybody's got to have a couple lawyer friends that can drop nasty and threatening letters on letterhead and, and threaten lawsuits or legal action. I mean, I, I'm assuming you didn't start there. I've seen your public pleas to the premier and to his office and to his staff to pull the post down to this point, to this day, at the time of you and I having this conversation. Now it's not down. It's still up. What have your conversations with the office looked like and uh, what are you prepared to do or what wheels are in motion right now? Yeah, you're exactly right. I have made repeated pleas on social media for him to take down the post. Uh, I, I sent a letter <laughs> to his office uh, where I, I have again uh, asked him to take down the post and to retract the statement. Uh, now, you know, the posts that he made is defamatory. Uh, he he has basically used a lie to um, you know to generate attacks against me. It's defamatory, and, and I do plan to do something about it. I, I gave I sent a, a letter to his office about six days ago, and because he's the premier of the province, and I assume he's busy, uh, I gave him ten days to retract the the post and apologize for calling me an NDP law professor and for calling me deranged. Uh, if he does not do that, I will have absolutely no option but to uh, to seek to protect my rights and my integrity and my and my reputation uh, by taking legal action against him. I am determined to do that uh, because I think this has gone on for too long. As you know, this is not the first time we've talked about this. Uh, they, they've been at this from the time they took office. It's it's a very concerted effort to shut down uh, academics and critics uh, and. He's not just doing it to me. He's doing it to a lot of my colleagues. He's doing it to you know people in the media, and I think at some point somebody has to say enough is enough, uh, and I'm prepared to do that because you know it's it's gone on for too long. And look, he has resources. I don't. He has you know an army of lawyers uh, who who he can pay to defend him. Uh, I don't. But this is something I'm prepared to do because I think. It's gone on for too long, and he can't just keep doing it. If, if I let him get away with it, he's going to do it again. And at some point, somebody is going to hurt me or hurt my family, and then I'll live with the regret, if I survive it, of knowing that I could have done something about it, and I did not do something about it. You have uh, tweeted and, and been open about uh, police investigations, about warnings or correspondence that you've received from campus security. You mentioned that you've had conversations with colleagues of yours, fellow academics uh, via the University of Alberta. What, what's this doing with regards to a ripple effect, bigger picture? And, and what's the status of, of I mean, have you, have you made contact with the police? I mean, if some of these phone calls, voicemails you've received, I'm assuming they've been forwarded. Yeah, so uh, the, some colleagues at the University of uh, Calgary who actually got this voicemail messages directed at me uh, contacted the Calgary police and the, and, and the Calgary police reached out to me and I've given them a statement. Uh, they, they are pursuing a, a criminal uh, harassment uh, investigation through their hate crimes unit. Uh, and, you know, from my perspective, I'm happy to see that happen. I'm, I'm especially grateful for the allyship that these colleagues at the University of Calgary have shown. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that they decided uh, on their own to do something about it. That's the kind of action I want to see when people support people like me uh, who, who face these sorts of racist attacks. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, going after someone 
who was inspired to do this by the Premier of Alberta uh, seems to me to be, in many ways, a, a half measure. <laughs> it's, you know, you, you, you can go after this person, but you need to cut off the problem at the head. You, you need to really go to the source. And the source is a Premier who uh, absolutely has no ethics, a, a Premier who runs an office like he's a bully, uh, a Premier who, who will fit better into a, you know, a dictatorship than in a democracy. He has to understand that fundamentally, as somebody in that position, he's going to be criticized. He has to be criticized, not just by me, uh, you know, in my capacity as a professor, but by every person uh, who's a who's a, a citizen of Alberta. And I'm I'm not the only one who's criticizing him. Even people who support him are criticizing him for his actions. Why has he singled me out? If he decides instead of governing to spend his day posting on social media about everyone who who criticizes him, uh, then, you know, Alberta will virtually have nobody at the helm, uh, you know, uh, and, and I think that's what he's doing. He's spending so much time on these sort of ridiculous endeavors when we have so many problems to address in this province. And so I think going after these racists who contact me is one thing, but if you really want to cut off the problem, you need to discipline the premier's office. He needs to hire better people. He needs to focus on his policies and on defending them and not on low blow attacks on citizens. It is unheard of. I've lived in military dictatorships and I don't even remember, I mean, there was no social media at the time, but I don't remember military dictatorships where they like, you know, go after citizens uh, in, this, in this manner, just, you know, I mean, sure, they, they can put you to death if you criticize them. But I, I don't imagine that they spend this much energy and they're daily like just attacking people who are, uh, are criticizing their policies in this way. Yeah, I mean, there's audio from two, three years ago of the premier speaking at an oil sands conference where he called Vladimir Putin's goons arresting demonstrators as instructive. So it probably provided some context to where the premier's at. I mean, let me provide some more context for you. Not that you're not alone uh, here. I'm not trying to say that, that I mean, your circumstance is remarkable, uh, not in a good way, Ubaka. Uh, but just the other day, I'm talking about the premier's new radio show, which is obviously comical. I'm on the record. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. But elicits this response. These are these are senior communications staffers in the premier's office, the premier of Alberta, senior staffer Brian Bateson tweets. I hear that the Ryan Jesperson conspiracy hour is living up to every expectation of Alberta's left wing tinfoil hatters this morning. The Premier's Executive Director of Communications, Brock Harrison, replies, I haven't listened, never have, and I know what you're talking about. These are senior staffers in the office of the Premier of Alberta. I hope that people never forget the way that it used to be, the way it is in most every other province, and the way it can be again when it comes to the decorum and the decency that the Premier's office exudes regardless of who sits in that desk. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one thing I've heard repeatedly is that, you know, I, I don't criticize the NDP in this way or I never did criticize the NDP in this way. That's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, first of all, it makes no sense because these people who say these things uh, were, were not looking at my Twitter when the NDP was in power. But when the NDP was in power, I, I was very critical of their policies as well, uh, where, where, of course, there was something to criticize. Uh, I, I, but the one thing that was different then 
is that you you didn't get a response, at least not on social media, uh, and you also didn't get sort of this sort of vicious system that the UCP has in place where they actually um, make an effort to just drum up this nonsense, ridiculous claims like, you know, your, your left wing, your, you know, tinfoil, like this ridiculous insults that make no sense. And I think the reason they do it uh, is not because, is because they, they, they know that using that kind of language uh, somehow uh, will trigger people who support them to do something uh, like uh, is being done to me, which is to attack, you know, the person who has been framed in that way. It has been consistent. You know, I've had ministers in the in the UCP government. I've had these issues managers, and now I've had the premier consistently call me a leftist, call me an NDP person. It, look, I have never in my life joined a political party. That, not that there's anything wrong with that. But even if I was a member of the NDP, as is my right as a citizen, why should that be the focus of the premier's response to my criticisms? I'm criticizing his policies. You know, I'm using a joke to point out that it, he has got to the point where he's taking, his, his policies are now personal to him. He's not thinking about the, 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 the health and the welfare of the population. He's thinking himself, instead of himself. Uh, and I've said, look, I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask to spite you because you've, you've made this personal as opposed to political and as opposed to showing leadership. And he can come back at me at that. He, he can, if he has the time, he can actually challenge me to a debate since he's noticed me. But the one thing he cannot do is make up a lie and then use that lie to frame uh, uh, attacks, to, frame, to, to generate attacks uh, against me. I just, it's unbelievable to me. Like I said, it's the kind of thing you see in military dictatorships uh, in, and it shouldn't be happening in Alberta. Ubaka, when's Every the, when's the 10 days up? You, you gave the premier's office 10 days to respond to your letter. When's that 10 days up? Soon, right? It's up on, it's up on Monday. Okay, so, what, so Monday, if you don't hear back from them, we'll expect something? We'll expect the development? I, I don't expect to hear back, to be honest. You know, I, I sent a letter because I have to, you know, give them that courtesy. I, I, you know, I think if this were to go forward, uh, there's, there's an expectation that I, I should give them that. But I don't expect a, a response. I, I think these people are genuinely, genuinely um, so ridiculous that they, don't, they can't actually see when they should show some human decency. You know, uh, it, it doesn't even matter if I get attacked. I could be bleeding out from every pore and they still wouldn't remove that post and they still wouldn't acknowledge that this yeah. is a situation that has gone uh, uh, beyond uh, control. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I mean, we've, we've, I was having a little fun with you out of the gates. We've been fonting you on YouTube, you know, your name as the deranged law professor. And I know you've been a good sport about that, but there's also absolutely nothing funny about the story. And, uh, and I know that it's taken its toll. You're putting on obviously a brave face cause you're a brave guy, uh, but taking its toll on your family in ways that people probably can't fully understand. We appreciate your candor on the show here. and We look forward to talking to you again. I'll be keeping a keen eye on what develops Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, always great to be on the show. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to actually talk about this. I think it's really important. Thank you. You got it. That's uh, University of Alberta Law Professor Dr. Ubaka Ogbogu, uh, an associate prof at the Faculty of Law, Kate's Research Fellow in Health Law and Science Policy. By the way, he's also a fellow at the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation. Kind of a big deal. Not the type of guy, if you have half a brain in your head, that you want to really like go ahead and 
pick a fight with uh, provincial. Even Ubaka said it. This feels a little weird for me to start getting into this again. But he says even just as a black man, it's weird to have the premier piling on him like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I the producer of this show, John Hicks, who's relatively new to the team, hey his there. first couple of weeks here. You you were snickering. Uh, when I was mentioning here, the premier's office uh, calling us the the, the the Jesperson conspiracy hour with the left wing tinfoil hatters. I and just think it's funny because he says he's never watched the show. Brock Harrison never watches the show. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Never listen. Never have. But you know, I I checked my LinkedIn last night. You know, I'm new to the show. I've been here what two weeks? Yeah. Maybe you know, eleven days. He viewed my profile less than 24 hours ago. Oh, so, really? You know, doesn't listen to the show, but uh, apparently knows who I am all of a sudden. And wow. never listened to the show. I feel like, listen, Brian, we could be friends. Brock. You and me? You Brock, get, sorry. Brock, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we won't be friends yeah, maybe now. Maybe you won't be friends now. But we could go out. We could go bowling or something. But I'm just wondering if we went out, if we hung out, the next day, would you go on Twitter and say, no. Never met John. Never, never bowled. And I've never been bowling. <laughs> wow, you got the Premier's Executive Director of Communications viewing your LinkedIn. Something's going to happen now. Ooh. I'm going to get audited tomorrow. You're in the big leagues, kid. <laughs> you're going to start getting pulled over. That's yeah. really surprising, seeing as on LinkedIn, if you are you know have the elite account, That's what I then figured. you can hide. You don't, yeah. you don't get seen as to if you actually viewed someone's. So he, did he want to be seen? He was like, he's trying to extend that friendship, I think. Either that or if we're friends, you know, Brock, I can help you out with your settings. Yeah, so. help him out with the settings so you can. <laughs> That's one of the things I can't stand about LinkedIn. Number one, I have no idea what I'm getting into on LinkedIn. I don't even know what the point is. I just know I go on there once every couple of months and I hit accept to all the requests. I was just going to say. I just feel like it's like built. Can you did you see my link? My LinkedIn's junk. I've gone to it and I'm like, this isn't it should be more prestigious. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of great. The once every three months login. Right. <laughs> but, but I talked to some people, uh, probably some real talkers and like LinkedIn is their life force. Uh, there's some there's a there's a we're going to be welcoming a new partner to the show, a new sponsor to the show next month. And I'm really excited about it. They're really great. I was meeting with them just uh, a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about LinkedIn and how they use it to launch their corporate news and their initiatives. They put their job postings on LinkedIn. I go, oh, I never go on LinkedIn. And they all kind of looked at me like someone that's like, I never brush my You're teeth. Not. You know, <laughs> they looked at me like, what do you do? What do you use? And I said, well, in, in our line of work, it's kind of, I guess, Twitter. Although John's cracking my cracking on me, you're saying I need, we, and you're right. We need to be better on Facebook. We need to be better. We we, we sort of need. We shouldn't start launching all this stuff now because we're not really ready to go. But you're like, Twitter's John, are, Twitter's are like, amazing. Where's your Instagram? Where's your TikTok? And I'm like, well, I I just uh, it's a lot. Have no fear. I'm going to hook us up it's in like, the next gonna, coming weeks. You're going to get us going. We need to get like we need to get the smartest, savviest. And I think they have to be 25 years of age or younger staffer mm -hmm. in here that can just like help us talk to the teens, They're quick. the tweens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean to to do all of those platforms, that is a full time job. So much work. You need somebody in here that that is their only job, mm. but it's so important. Yeah. Wasn't that fascinating to get U Ubaka's observation that the premier had tweeted that criticism to him, then pulled it down, then took it to Facebook and did not pull it down? I mean, different audiences. Absolutely, yeah. For he, sure. You, he understood the audience. He knew, maybe also considered, you know, what are the rules? What will Twitter tolerate and what will Facebook tolerate? Yeah. Hey, that's a great point too, Hoyles. Uh, Terry right now says, yeah, you guys do need to be on TikTok. The good news, let me say this. The account looks like junk right now. It's because we haven't really done much <laughs> to it. But you can, if you want to get a head start. It's there. 
It's there at Real Talk RJ, just the same as our Twitter. You can follow us on TikTok, and I promise we'll Instagram show up. Instagram too. Instagram too, Real Talk RJ, and, and we'll show up at some point and start to post, you know, <laughs> we'll can- Canada's best content. <laughs> I have to admit that Brock Harrison followed me on Twitter, yeah. and I when you started here. No, it took a while. It oh, okay. took a while. It was about a, about a couple of weeks ago, and oh, yeah. I was. Yeah, taken about like, uh oh. Yeah. What did I say? Yeah. What did I do? Yeah, well, I'm on the radar. Yeah, well, you're on the radar, and you're not on the radar unless they're sweating you. So there you go. You know, what, what did do you I do? do? Jill said, <laughs> like, you showed up and started working here. <laughs> Jillian says, you're on a list now, Johnny. The good news is, is that you also wind up on a bunch of really cool lists when you work at Real Talk. So you, you get to be like at the golf tournament, you know, at the beer and the whiskey launch and all the other cool stuff. You failed too, to put so. this in the job description. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> every once in a while, you got to do your due diligence. Homie. What do you want me to do? Hey, every Wednesday, in partnership with our friends at Tourism Jasper, we have a chance to just forget about all the serious stuff, to, to set it all aside. It's it's kind of like the exercise that, that we undergo when we actually get to head to the mountains. It's a feature that we call My Jasper Memory. And today... We're very excited to let you know about a couple of things. I mean, when, when it comes to making memories, sometimes it's a new opportunity or a new venue that just changes the game and makes a long weekend or maybe a full week off even that much more memorable. Did you know that there's a new wilderness-inspired hotel that's opening in Jasper? Uh, surrounded by mountains right at the edge of town, flawlessly designed Forest Park Hotel has a contemporary palette that integrates natural wood and stone accents throughout. I saw it under construction a couple of months ago. Stunning. I love those huge, big rafters. Look at those big beams. Uh, each of the 88 brand new suites featuring kitchenettes and expanded patios. Can't wait for summer. A show-stopping fireplace anchors that hotel's vaulted pavilion. If you're watching this on YouTube, oh my gosh, right? Plus... There's a new ski for free deal, okay? By the way, jasperforestpark.com is where you can learn more about that beautiful new venue. If you book three or more nights right now with Pursuit in a kitchenette suite at either Marmot Lodge or Lobstick Lodge, we want you to have lots of options here. For April, you get three days free skiing or snowboarding at Marmot Basin for two adults. How about that? I actually looked into it yesterday. I was like, ooh, I like that. Yeah, Hoyles is going to be gone. Well, it's okay. Hey. You got vacation time, and where better right? to use it than there? Right? I saw a couple people posting Instagram uh, out of uh, Marmot over the weekend. Their conditions were stunning. So you've got a book by March 31st, okay? Uh, it's uh, coming at you from 159 bucks a night, and it includes the free skiing. What a time to get out there, right? So it's valid uh, all of April, the entire month of April, with no blackout dates, which is awesome. If you want to learn more details, maybe you missed a couple details, just go check out our website, jasper.travel slash realtor talk and it is never too soon to start making your plans i mean it's coming up in like two weeks anyway jasper pride festival which is can i i don't want to say oh geez am i gonna pick a fight with like toronto and vancouver and all the other great pride do it it might be the best it might be the best pride celebration in the country jasper pride they ramp it up like nobody else does i mean look at the backdrop it's the only gay ski week in the canadian rockies 10 days of epic pride events action-packed activities unlimited skiing all in the spirit of coming together proud and free and you can check out jasperpride.ca we want to see your jasper memories too if you're posting on twitter on instagram use the hashtag my jasper and hashtag real talk rj and you could see your images your videos your memories featured right here on the show as early as next Wednesday. 
Well, when you talk energy, energy policy, the energy industry, investments, divestments, or anything else in Canada, chances are you're hearing from energy journalist Markham Hislop. It's been a while since Markham's been on the show. Every time I talk to him, I learn something new. He's a climate journalist. He hosts the Energy Talks podcast, and we've spoken with him already about his 2019 book, The New Alberta Advantage, Technology Policy in the Future of the Oil Sands. It's nice to see you again, my man. How are you doing? I think we've got you on mute, Markham. Let's try that again. We got you? Am I here? I can hear you loud and clear now, my man. How have you been holding up? There's been, I mean, geez, since we last spoke, uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine has been a big one, but there have been other energy developments as well. This is, I mean, a fascinating industry for you to be keeping an eye on and reporting on on a regular basis. You never know what's coming. Well, one of the reasons why we moved into energy in the first place years ago was because there's an energy transition underway. And it's been, you know, it got started, this one got started in the 1990s. And it just happens that the 2020s are the disruptive decade of this one. And that's when, you know, all hell breaks loose, right? The new technology, new energy technologies start moving into the marketplace. They start pushing out the, the old technologies and it's disruptive and it's, a, you know, it's very uncertain. And, you know, we're going to have a whole decade, maybe 15 years of this before things settle down a little bit and, and electricity and low carbon fuels uh, are dominant. That's what's coming, man. And, you know, in Alberta, in particular, because it's so dependent on hydrocarbons, uh, that's where that's part of the of Canada that feels the disruption most acutely. And so, yes, it's uh, covering, uh, you know, Canadian energy, global energy uh, issues. But in particular, Alberta, because that's the epicenter of energy in Canada, it's been a lot of fun lately, I've got to tell you. Yeah, you know, um, a, a lot of times I'll go to you for sort of like high-level understanding of like the big stuff, you know, what's going to happen with this pipeline or what, you know, who was responsible for killing this pipeline or, you know. But on this one, I want to talk to you about household stuff. I want to talk to you about household pain. Uh, people right now that, that are not locked into fixed rates on natural gas or people that are looking at their power bill, their electricity bills right now are going, it's literally double. It's double what we're used to paying. Can you help us understand what's happening for the average person, the lay person that doesn't understand all of the intricacies? What's happening? Why are the prices so high? Well, you know what? This is not my metier. Um, my journalism is really the big picture and connecting the dots. Uh, but I'll, so I'll just give you a little, what little bit I know on this topic, and that is that you know the price of electricity is not high. Uh, the uh, it's the distribution and uh, transmission costs, and and I think that's true in in uh, other provinces as well, but particularly acute in uh, in Alberta. So uh, that's that's my insight for for today. Right? Well, it's and I want to ask you, and I want I want to be able to keep you in your wheelhouse and, and the stuff that you're writing about. But but people will take a look and and for example, I mean, I can be guilty of this where you you know you go to fill up your vehicle and you go it's it's a dollar sixty eight or it's a dollar seventy three and these are I mean people in Vancouver are going spare us your lamentations. They're used to two bucks or two dollars ten, but. We go, okay, so it's, it's tough for us or it's bad for us, but, but maybe it's good for Alberta or maybe it's good for Canadian energy or maybe it's good for somebody. With regards to the global dynamic of what's going on right now, so many factors at play. The Americans saying no to Russian oil, sanctions on Russian energy from a number of different countries. Is this, it feels tacky to ask you the question, but in a time of war, is this an opportune time for Canadian energy producers? No. 
And I know that's going to be really surprising, uh, surprising answer in Alberta. But, you know, unless this war drags on, and that doesn't look like it's, it's going to, uh, you know, this is a short-term, short-term pain. Uh, where the actual the opportunities come from for Canadian uh, oil producers, uh, and remember, the oil sands dominates in Alberta. I think it produces something like 75 or 80 percent of, of Alberta oil. Uh, the market uh, opportunities are really down in the U.S. Gulf Coast. Now, uh, Mexico announced a few months ago uh, that it's going to be ending uh, uh, exports of Maya uh, heavy crude to the U.S. in 2024. That's 600,000 barrels a day that has to be found someplace else. And, you know, that's a huge opportunity for, for Alberta uh, oil producers. Uh, but other, you know, maybe there might be opportunities in California because their production is, has been steadily declining. Uh, in Trans Mountain expansion will be, uh, be done maybe, I guess now we're looking at maybe 2024. So it, there are opportunities, but I, I don't think this short-term disruption caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine is going to have any kind of lasting effect on either production levels, investment levels, or the kind of decisions that, that uh, energy companies are making. Okay, so the federal environment minister, Mr. Gilbo, speaking at the Canadian Club Toronto a while ago, um, talking about the federal environmental strategy ahead of the this, the release. And I know a lot of people are curious to see what Canada's roadmap is going to look like for greenhouse gas reductions coming up at the at the end of the month. You talked about a reliance on hydrocarbons. Uh, what are you expecting to see here? Where's the industry going, and, and what are the implications for for people that work in the industry and for people just keeping a keen eye on it? That, that's a really good question, Ryan. And, and uh, it's really important to know. Uh, first of all, uh, we don't really know where the emissions reductions are going to come from. There's the, the best guess is that in the short term, uh, the government is going to focus on uh, methane emissions because those are relatively easy to, uh, to abate. And uh, the, the Canadian government has already increased its uh, target for methane emissions reductions to 75% by 2030. So, and the industry is is on board with this because uh, the more methane you keep in the pipe, uh, the better for you because now you can sell it. So that's probably going to be the the short term, but we don't know and we won't know till the, uh, maybe the end of the month, maybe even now I hear that the emission reduction, the oil and gas cap might be pushed off to 2023. So lots of uncertainty there. Uh, but um, I think in terms of, you know, what does this mean for Alberta, uh, we should point out that in since 2014, when prices really, you know, took a crash, the last, the last time it took a big crash, uh, Alberta's lost 33,000 oil and gas jobs. And since Jason Kenney took to, uh, you know, form government in, uh, in 2019, it's lost four or 5,000 oil and gas jobs. Now, uh, last year, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, I interviewed uh, Ernst & Young consultant, Lawrence, uh, Lance uh, Mortlock, uh, about a study he had done. And they expect that uh, over the next decade or so, uh, the Canadian industry and most of these job losses will take place in Alberta are going to lose another 50,000 jobs. So, you know, the companies are profitable. The companies have driven down their production costs. They're going to be, they're rolling in dough right now. They're making lots of money. They're going to be profitable all through the 2020s. And because of new technologies and a commitment to return capital to shareholders and be more efficient, they're going to be shedding jobs. So that's the paradox for Alberta. We're going to have an oil boom and oil workers are going to be losing their jobs. 
And I just feel like, Markham, everybody's seen the bumper sticker, right? Like, please, Lord, give us one more boom, and we promise not to piss it away. And it sort of feels right now, I, I, I even just, I feel the, the sort of the rumbling in the street. Anybody that puts their finger to the pulse of the province right now goes, oh, Oh, uh, oil's back. Oh, we might have a surplus budget in two years. Oh, there's no deficit anymore. Oh, oh, everything's great again, everybody. Uh, let's go buy more quads and snowmobiles and ski boats and cabins and cottages and go to Disney World. And we're going, everyone's kind of going, you've literally had the bumper sticker asking for one more boom and promising to not piss it away. And here we are like unzipping our pants, just getting ready to piss it away all over the place, right? Hope. On our live chat says Canada is going to be so far behind Europe on alternative energy, sustainable energy. If we keep focusing on the old way of doing things, is hope right? Yes, uh, and and I'm afraid that that's the case. Uh, I've argued in columns that Alberta is behind the times, and you know, it, this is the incumbent industry. This is you know, oil and oil in particular has been dominant for over 125 years, uh, and Calgary is an epicenter of groupthink, you know, the executives, I mean, you can't go anywhere in the plus 15s or a restaurant or a bar. And, you know, everybody thinks the same. There's, a, you know, that narrative of oil. Oh, no, we're going to have another 20, 30 years of, you know, growing oil demand. Oh, don't worry about it. The, the premier talks about, about that. Uh, the, you know, the oil companies put it in their investor presentations. Well, once you get outside of Alberta, once you get outside of Canada, like I, I spend a lot of time interviewing experts from the U.S. or from Europe or some from Asia, and you get a totally different perspective. I, this is something that, that Albertans just don't get that the energy transition is accelerating so rapidly, and particularly in the areas that will affect them, which is electricity and, and transportation. You know, the uh, renewables are going to be like 75 to 90% of all new electricity generation added from here on, here and in through the 2020s for sure. And, and at the same time, the, um, the automakers are, we can't appreciate how fast they are switching to electric. Last year alone, according to Bloomberg NEF, uh, $270 billion was invested globally in, in switching to clean transportation. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely, it's crazy. And, and I want to make a point here, Ryan, is the, the consumer, the customer for oil is not you and me when we go to the gas station. It's the auto industry. The auto industry decides what fuel is going to go into a, a car or a truck. And the auto industry is sending a message loud and clear to Alberta and the oil companies is, we're done with you, man. We're breaking up. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but we've chosen electricity because it's cheaper and more efficient. And that's the way the, the world is going. And Alberta's like this, you know, the, the, the break, you know, on the receiving end of the breakup going, please, 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 please. Yeah. No, no. You know, they just don't want to accept reality. Yeah. But I have conversations with people like you and uh, dozens of others on this show and shows previous that have said Alberta has so many resources uh, when it, when it comes to even wind and solar opportunities for, I mean, you, you, we, we've talked about all kinds of opportunities, geothermal opportunities, and, and not to mention the workforce, the skilled labor that's here, the innovative type minds that have been drawn to Alberta. There's so many resources, depending on how you interpret the word, yet it feels like to a certain degree, not entirely, but to a certain degree, we're almost asleep at the switch. It's like you see a problem coming, but you don't address it. It's like, you know, that that horrible story of the person that felt a tumor or felt a lump and didn't do anything about it until it was inoperable. It's what it feels like. Well, and it's the leadership. 
uh, is, is a large part of the problem. I mean, we, we you know, starting at the top with uh, Premier Jason Kenney, you know, he just doesn't get it. I mean, it was only, you know, three years ago during the election campaign, it was all about hydrocarbons. It was pipelines. It was about jobs. It was about rescuing oil and gas from the clutches of the Notley Trudeau Alliance, all of that stuff. And none of that's come true. I mean, he hasn't got a pipe, you know, he has had no influence on the construction or approval of any pipelines. He hasn't, he hasn't been able to stop job losses. He's, he's you know, all he's done is, is throw money at projects like Keystone XL that, you know, a billion and a half dollars. Well, look, I mean, a billion and a half dollars, fifteen hundred million dollars to put it into perspective. Well, let's put it into more perspective. Uh, Last week, uh, TC Energy emailed uh, the CBC for a story. And I want to quote from that. The, The Keystone Excel pipeline project was terminated and will not proceed. And I'll bet you the day before that came out, Premier Kenny was advocating somewhere for the Keystone XL project. Yeah. I mean, how can the Premier of the province not be on the same page as the proponent of the project? Did somebody not pick up a phone and tell him? Or what? did he not listen to No, not, that's literally what happened, care? Markham. That's literally what happened is nobody picked up the phone. It's literally what happened. They're too busy picking fights with law professors. Uh, John Lobo on Twitter says to you and I, we're in the stage that the steam to gasoline engine was in the early 20th century says we will go from steampunkers to gas punkers that from john lobo that'd be a good band name the gas punkers not bad not bad Uh, somebody got to make a t-shirt about that yeah hey markham it's always good to see your face thanks for the insight pal always good seeing you man yeah make sure you subscribe to and check out the energy talks podcast that's markham's and of course you can check out his work at energy.media that's energy with an i energy.media media i had a kind of a pretty interesting i was gonna say a wild circumstance last it was not wild but i had the opportunity to it it was it was the furthest thing from wild but it blew me back in my seat and i picked up our little guy from school and tuesdays are special for me because we get to spend some time together in the afternoon and i get to drive him to piano lessons and we're driving to piano lessons and beautiful wyatt rudy from the back seat says to me what do you put in your vehicle? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, what makes it go? And he said, is it gas? And I said, it is. And he goes, I wish it was electric. And I said, how come? And he goes, well, it's just better for the planet. And he goes, and I just, vehicles that are with gas are putting a bunch of gas into the air. And I would like if our family had vehicles that were electric and I'm just sitting there driving to piano lessons like oh boy but these conversations are being had in households everywhere and uh, I know that I mean you look at all the way through the auto industry right now you go to any dealership I mean I'll tell you about St. Albert Dodge and Sherwood Dodge in just a second they've got that Jeep Wrangler 4xe this electric Jeep Wrangler we are about to the general citizenry I'm not talking about folks like you Sarah that have been driving electric vehicles it's a compliment for her to chime in it's a compliment with the luxury she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't like to talk about it because it's a luxury vehicle so she (laughs) doesn't she doesn't like to talk about her her German luxury electric vehicle but, but a lot of people, and you know we're just poking fun at you, Hoyles. Uh, well a lot aware. Of, a lot of people have been driving EVs for years now, but for, for more and more people, starting literally right now, uh, that's going to be the move that their family's making. 
right? That's the decision their family's going to make. I don't want to take too long because we got Brian Jean literally standing by, right? So let me tell you about St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Whether it's electric, whether it's gas, whether it's diesel, whether it's new or whether it's used, they've got the selection to meet what you're looking for. What fits your family the best? You need something with a little more hauling power for the summer to pull your boat, pull your fifth wheel? They've got you covered. You want to downsize a little bit? Save on your fuel costs? Move down to an efficient four-cylinder, maybe? They've got you covered there as well. They're proud of their sales and service relationships with their customers. It's a delight to deal with the teams at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You'll find them online under the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. Our friends at Friesen Brothers have a whole lot coming up this month and they want to remind you especially if you want to circle your calendar here coming up it's a month from today okay april 16th it's their easter dinner and all you can eat easter dinner at your local friesen brothers fresh market store you'll find all the details that's april 16th we want to give you a ton of notice so you can get there with your family it's at select locations 16 of them by the way across the province of alberta for more than 65 years Friesen Brothers has been Alberta-grown, Alberta-owned at Friesen.com. Talking about moving forward, sustainable and green energy, Kubi Energy's been doing it for a decade now. Their ownership story, Jake Kubiski out of the oil field, an electrician who saw where the trends were going. He's since built a company that's employing dozens of people across Western Canada. If you go to their website right now, kubienergy.ca, you'll be able to get a free quote, whether it's a commercial, industrial, residential, or even agricultural solar application. They're finding solutions that fit every single one of their customers. And I also wanted to remind you about local environmental services. They're exciting new additions. This is a family-owned company that for 25 years has been providing garbage and recycling collection and management. Well, no longer do they limit their list there. They've got fence rentals, portable toilets, water hauling, landfill services, vacuum trucks at the ready. Whatever you need, wherever you are in Alberta or Saskatchewan, look to localenvironmental.com. CA. Well, a big win last night for this guy who, if you pay attention to Alberta politics, really needs no introduction. He has led the Wild Rose Party before he has served in the federal government as a member of parliament. And as of last night, he's the winner of the by-election in Fort McMurray, Lackla Bishop. Pleasure to welcome Brian Jean to the program. How you feeling hours after securing that win? It's got to be a good feeling. It is. I'm I'm tired though, Ryan. You know, politics is exhausting, but I'm I'm very excited about the you know the opportunity to renew the UCP. Like that's what it's all about. And here we are. We're step two out of a five step process. That's accomplished. Three more steps to go. April 9th is a big day. Yeah. I mean, you were saying that last night. We played a video clip of, of your address to your supporters last night. And I was commenting on what a remarkable circumstance it is to have a new or 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 a returning MLA come in and in his acceptance speech talk about how the party needs a leadership change. The dynamic here. Is, is is bonkers really how are you wrapping your mind around it well ryan you speak truth to power all the time i can't imagine it being much of a surprise to hear me speak truth to power as well if we don't have a change in leadership the ndp are going to win an overwhelming majority and i i know rachel notley is excited and some people are excited about that i'm not i'm not excited at all in fact i'm worried about it and that's why i think we need to have a renewal of the ucp and regain the trust of albertans and that's what it's what it's about in politics, regain trust, make them believe that you are going to provide them with leadership that listens and that does what they want. And that's what I want to provide.
you came into this, uh, I mean, obviously you were greatly impacted. The last time that you and the Premier stood on the same stage really was the leadership race that saw him win and move forward, becoming ultimately the Premier of Alberta. You were the focus of, some might call you the victim of, this alleged kamikaze attack, this kamikaze campaign. The RCMP are still investigating that. You last night said... When you walked away off that stage, you figured you were leaving the party in good hands, but I don't buy that. You didn't think at that time you were leaving the party in good hands. What have you seen over the past few years? Listen, I, we had two parties come together, the Wild Rose and the PCs. I did think I left it in good hands. I thought that the hands that I left it in was Albertans, not in one person's hands. Right. And uh, that's the difference in leadership. Can you empower people? Can you bring people along? Can you make people believe that they're part of it because they are part of it? Or do you just leave them behind and tell them what to do? Well. Leadership matters, and, and we can see that leadership clearly matters. We have uh, great needs in our province right now. We have a healthcare system that's in shambles and that very few Albertans now trust, which is extremely important, you know, important that they do, because uh, let's face it, healthcare, there's nothing more important to a family that needs healthcare than trusting that healthcare system. And we need to get back to that point of where the healthcare actually has great outcomes. Our education system responds to the parents who should be in charge and our justice system. Well, um, we all know where we are in our justice system. We need some help and we need some leadership that empowers other people to get involved and to renew the UCP. It's all a part of that. And, and Ryan, you know that there's only three days left to buy a membership in the UCP and a register for Red Deer. And if people don't do it, they are missing out on the greatest opportunity in politics, for sure, in my opinion, this century, which will change the direction we go as a province. Either we will go one way or the other way. And I think the other way, which means renewal of the UCP party and brand new policy that reflects Albertans is the way to go. Brian, what are you expecting to see on April 9th? I mean, the Premier's Chief of Staff, Pam Livingston, has taken a leave of absence to coordinate his campaign ahead of this leadership vote. He's obviously taking it very seriously, as you would if you figured or calculated that you were about to lose your job. And everybody knows Jason Kenney can organize. So what do you think goes down on the 9th? I think Albertans have their way and their say. And I think Jason Kenney, if he hasn't got the message yet, which it appears he hasn't and he knows in his heart of hearts the right thing to do for Albertans and for the party is to leave but if he doesn't I think uh, you know people are gonna send that message remember he's changed it his 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 team has changed it from the upper 60s that he has to get to now 50 percent plus one and and who knows where it's going to go from there desperate leadership is not a good thing and right now I know he's uh he seems to be looking around and, and looking for an opportunity to stay, even though Albertans don't want him to stay. And, and frankly, the UCP are going to lose and the NDP are going to win an overwhelming majority. And I don't think that's right. I think a competitive political system is a good political system and people shouldn't have the decision of who not to vote for. They should vote for something, not just against something. And I'm hoping that I will inspire them to vote for me. They've seen my leadership in the past, Ryan. They know I'm trustworthy. They know there's no secret surprises or anything outwardly, you know, difficult or bad they know i'm there for them and that's what it's all about and that's why i'm coming back because a large amount of albertans have told me that i need to come back and i need to uh, shake things up a bit and hopefully have a renewal okay well I, listen i'll make this the last question because i know your team's eager to get you moving and everybody wants to talk to you today we appreciate you uh, fitting us into your schedule brian but, but let me close with this you, you talk about your track record and you talk about people know what they're getting and the fact of the matter is you've had a distinguished career in public service but you've not been able to win at the provincial level you had a strong party with the wild rose but ultimately albertans believed 
that these two conservative parties needed to be united to win. And that is what happened with more than a million votes. I see what's happening around me. You got Leela here kicked out of cabinet, former Wild Roser. You got Todd Lowen. You got Drew Barnes kicked out, sitting as independents. What do they have in common? You got Angela Pitt, one of the 17 signatories of that list that called out the premier. What does she have in common? You see where I'm going with this, Brian. You could all Ryan, of a sudden Ryan. have 20 people walking out with you. Do you see two conservative parties in 2023? What I see, Ryan, is all the people you mentioned had a different kind of leadership before. That was my leadership. That was a leadership that empowered and inspired people to go in a particular direction. It wasn't about dragging them into the into the ring. It was about taking them and being part of it. And all those people you mentioned are dissatisfied because they've seen better leadership. They've seen my leadership. So what's going to happen? I think this party is better as one strong party, but we need to get that leader to understand that he is not the person to lead the party into the next election. And if he does... We're going to see an NDP majority government that will change our province forever. And I don't want to see that happen. You notice, Ryan, that I'm not starting a new party. I'm not going with a different party. I'm there with the UCP because I, like many other Albertans, spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work getting that party going. So it was a true alternative that could provide good governance to Albertans. And that's what I want to do. Always have appreciated your availability, Brian. Congratulations on the big win last night. I know that you'll tell me probably you're just getting started again. So we'll look forward to speaking with you again. Safe travels to Edmonton today. Thanks, Ryan, and thanks to all your listeners that uh, listened to me today. Yeah, you bet. That's Brian Jean, uh, the uh, recently the newly re-elected MLA in a way of Fort McMurray Lacklevish. That by-election last night, as Sarah Hoyles reported uh, earlier this morning, about a 64% show of support for Brian Jean with uh, with an approximately what 5,800 votes cast total. So there you have it. The by-election results. What does this mean for the party? Ultimately, never a dull moment in Alberta politics. And here's where we call on you to let us know where you're at right now with all of this. You know our email address, talk at ryanjesperson.com. If you're paying attention in particular to Alberta politics or to the dynamic of conservative politics across the country. I mean, Tasha Carradine, what a great interview earlier this week. Uh, joining us, the conservative columnist and radio host uh, who, who, who took her name, uh, her hat out of the ring. She had never thrown it in herself, but a lot of people wanted to see Tasha seek the federal leadership. She said, not me. She said, but I'm going to I'm going to put my support behind Josh Ray. And she explained to us exactly why. So some interesting dynamics right now. Could a leadership race be triggered on April 9th, that's the question that, that everybody's asking. And, and what does this mean, not just for the Conservative Party moving forward, but what does this mean for conservative politics and politics writ large across Alberta? Rachel Notley, I think you even saw her last night congratulate Brian Jean. They've actually got kind of an interesting relationship. They don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. But you remember, and I mean, obviously, you hope that disaster brings out the best in people. You hope it brings out that bipartisan approach to governance in people. But you remember when, when Brian Jean's house was was among the couple of thousand that literally burned to the ground as, as Fort McMurray, I would say, succumbed to that fire. But Fort McMurray didn't. Fort McMurray defiantly stood, didn't it, in the face of that fire and fought that fire like hell. But you remember, Brian Jean and Rachel Notley had, had a, a very interesting relationship developed, so much so that he gave her credit. She was the premier. He gave her credit for including him and including his party in the briefings and in the strategy sessions and in the conversations. I know Brian probably doesn't want me taking this conversation to be about him and Rachel Notley right now, but even though they didn't agree on a whole bunch of things, there was a civil interaction between government and opposition. And I bet you that most people, if you asked them, would want to see that. I think at any level, 
any level of governing, you want the various groups. I mean, we have a multi-party system. So I, I want, to me, I personally think that like minority government is the way to go ultimately because multiple groups have to work together and come to consensus it's not my way or the highway yeah absolutely and well said let us know what you think on this i I should probably drop in on the live chat i mean there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now i go oh yeah the live chat sandra says or here jill says jeans and brian's an actual human being i'm sure he's very likable um i can say brian gene is very likable in person you may not agree with his politics but he's always been very likable to me Sandra says, yeah, it was a sad situation, but that's not a reason to have him as premier. Alicia says, I think a provincial political landscape is a wasteland right now. Even if another party is in, we have one major party that's an absolute dumpster fire. Lala Zaz says, what is this, the Brian Jean Appreciation Hour? I'm just talking like a normal human would talk about another normal human. Donna says that was a professional interaction. Linda Ray says, you want people who respect the principles of a liberal democracy. Someone's going to chime in. Liberal! And Murray says, Alberta politics is actually pretty dull. Except for four years of, of, of the NDP, Albertans have voted progressive conservative, and you could have a plant as a leader, and Albertans would vote PC. Well, they don't have the option there now, that's for sure. Stelly says, I would have liked to hear what direction he wants to take the province. Absolutely. His team gave us five minutes. We took the liberty of stealing eight of those minutes at risk of never getting him back. We want to get, in my mind, in the immediate short-term insight into what did it feel like to win in Fort McMurray? You knew that there were people conspiring against you that didn't want you to win. You come out of the gates throwing punches at the leader of the party you're coming back to, which is a pretty remarkable circumstance. When's the last time you saw that? Like, never? When's the last time you saw that? Can somebody refresh my memory? That a newly elected member of a government would come in and start ripping the leader in their acceptance speech? I mean, that's remarkable, right? And then what does it look like leading up to April 9th in the short term? For sure, if there's a leadership race or when we get another opportunity to talk to Brian, we'll have more fulsome conversations that you've come to expect here on Real Talk, which we're proud of. You know, the 15 to 45 minute type ones where we can really dig in. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you. See that pregnant pause? Isn't it where it works so well? Where is he going next? Oh, he's going to remind us that it's a perfect time to start thinking about bringing our outdoor spaces to life. You know what I'm talking about? You've got the backyard with the, the, the grass that's like kind of sort of there. It's got its patchy spots. I know what you do. You take your Adirondack chairs and you put them over all the spots that have the yellow brown, right? The kids' trampoline takes care of a big part of the... I'm just describing my backyard. You bring the trampoline over the grass that's just never been able to grow, but you still have the drainage issue. You know that the first flash flood, you know that first really heavy July rainstorm is probably going to flood your garage or your basement. You've got the shop vac ready. If only there was a company that could jump right now to help you design a solution and make it happen by this summer. Aha! Eden Landscaping is that company. I proudly partner with Mike and his team because I've seen what they can do. You can find them online. Contact them and get your free quote today at landscapeedmonton.ca. I wanted to give a big shout-out to Patrick J. Patrick J., this shout-out is coming a day late. 
And I hope that you're at least already a few dollars short because Patrick J yesterday announced in the chat he was now officially switched over to Park Power. And Patrick J, it just warms the cockles of our heart to know that I'm sure you chose the fixed rates. You're going to be saving money right away. And when you get your first bill from Park Power, you're going to notice that there's 70 bucks knocked off it because, of course, you used the promo code 2022-REALTALK when you signed up, when you brought your business over, right? Bundle their services, save even more on those administrative costs that Markham was just talking to us about. You'll find them online at parkpower.ca. If your family right now is looking for help, you've got a loved one that's perhaps living with dementia or perhaps Alzheimer's, some other contributing factor that requires compassionate, well-matched home care, this show recommends Infinity Healthcare. They're very proud of their personality matching service, which means if your mom or dad, your grandma or grandpa, maybe it's your brother, sister, or even your spouse has a language barrier, perhaps there's cultural or religious factors at play. Maybe there are other considerations to be made when it comes to home care. Infinity takes the time to match personalities. That's with their clients and their care providers. Their entire team is so proud of their offerings. You can learn more about it, plus job opportunities for healthcare aides and nurses at infinity-8.ca. And I also want to say, before we take a look at what's making news right now, Sarah Hoyles has her eye on some developing stories. The team at Dairy Queen is very, very keen on this reinvented burger menu. Now, I, I know that you've probably been to Dairy Queen and you've checked out their burgers before and you go, yeah, I mean, I have my favorites. And, 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 uh, hang on a second. Have you checked out their signature stack burger collection? I mean, I'm really keen on the loaded steakhouse signature stacker and, I, and I'm trying to be subtle. I got called out on this yesterday in my training session. I'm, I'm really pushing the triple burgers. It may not be for you. You can choose single, double, triple. Go with the triple. The onion rings, the bacon of the loaded signature stack burger, that steakhouse one. Of course, the mushroom cheeseburger, the flamethrower, the bacon two cheese, and the two cheese deluxe. At the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, West Mountain, Baseline Road, you let them know that Real Talk sent you as you fit. Your face, Sarah Hoyles. <laughs> Jesus, Phil. I get excited. Hey, we, we all love food. I, I just, I, I, I get excited. And when you can upgrade to a triple, and there's onion rings on top, I just, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Why not? What do you want me to do? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a second to get our wits back. Okay. To focus, because I don't want to roll into this hot. I, we just treat this like real life. I want to get serious for a second. Yesterday, the, what what a moving address by Ukraine. Uh, I mean, uh, Vladimir Zelensky comes in and speaks, uh, I mean, essentially on behalf of, of the millions of people in Ukraine right now that are fighting to defend their country and save their lives. And he had, uh, maybe not all 338 of them, but but members of parliament and Canada captivated. Absolutely captivated. I mean, when you think about it, he has had multiple assassination attempts on him and he needs to find the space and the time and the internet connection to be able to make these addresses. Yeah. He's actually making one. Uh, he's wrapped up already uh, an address to the U.S. Oh, this morning. To the and, Congress. And, and, yeah. and of course, it was it was a, a British parliamentarians before that. Yep. Why don't we bring you now? The majority of you, obviously, as engaged citizens, have probably heard uh, the majority uh, of what he had to say yesterday. But here was Zelensky speaking to Canada's parliamentarians, a portion of it. This was yesterday. When you call your friends, your friendly nation, and you 
ask, please close the sky, close the airspace, please stop the bombing. How many more cruise missiles have to fall on our cities until you make this happen? And they, in return, they express their deep concerns about the situation. When we talk to, with our partners and they say, please hold on, hold on a little longer. Some people are talking about es trying to avoid the escalation. And at the same time, in response to our aspiration to become members of NATO, we also do not hear a clear answer. Sometimes we don't see obvious things. It's a, it's a dire straits, but it also allowed us to see who our real friends are over the last 20 days. Allowed us to see who our real friends are over the last 20 days. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah, loyalty. Are you being a loyal friend? I mean, I thought it was also very interesting that he would reference Justin. He would say Justin, not, mm -hmm. you know, not Trudeau yeah. or uh, Prime Minister Remember Trudeau. Remember Obama used to do that. Yeah, and he, was, he said, like, my friend, my friend, Justin, he yeah. kept uh, kind of going to that place and, and trying to shore up that relationship and emphasize that relationship. So, yeah, we had, and then there was a standing ovation at the end. It was a 12-minute speech, and, yeah, he's, he's doing it again today. With People Congress. are criticizing uh, conservative interim leader Candace Bergen for, for she was essentially the only person, is this right, that, that didn't stand and clap, that didn't she dole stood. up the standing ovation? She, she just didn't clap. She clapped, and then she, she got tired. So, okay. she, so she stopped, and everybody else continued to clap for a number of minutes longer. Yeah. And she just stood there. I'm like, I'm not going to carry her water for her, but is, are, are people reading too much into every tiny little thing? Like if she did stand and she did clap, but she didn't clap enough, is that I was I always want people to say to assess this show as being reasonable. Okay, that we approach every situation with reasonable lens, and and we don't we don't just automatically look to pile on people. Was it? I mean, is it possible that maybe she kind of forgot that you know the eyes of the country would be on her and that she should be the last one clapping? I don't know. No, you're not. Sold. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that she's going as the interim leader. She's not just. Yeah, she's not the prime minister. She, I mean, no, I don't but know. she's Maybe not I an am. MP. Just an MP. Not just. But like yeah. she's not only an MP. She is the interim leader of the progressive part. I mean, it's whoa of the yeah. conservative party. Yeah, yeah. And she just couldn't be bothered to continue clapping. To me, I almost felt like it was an attention grab. Her trying to stand out. Um, Maybe. I just. Yeah, I agree. We want to be reasonable. I just, I think it's not unreasonable to think that you should stand together with everyone else in parliament clapping yeah. for this man who is leading a country through war. See, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm always a slave to public opinion on things like that. Like when there's a standing ovation, I always try to make sure I don't. There's always the annoying person that wants to be the very last clapper. I like to slow clap. Slow clap is good. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then ramp it up yeah, and then ramp yeah. it up. But it, but if it Get becomes it a three minute ovation, yeah, do you keep going right till the very end? I mean, I would like you, to. Would you dare? Would you dare have a seat if you were done clapping? You figured you'd finished. You'd wrapped up your clapping for the day. I'm that awkward guy who keeps standing and then looks around and is like, "Why are we still? Yeah. Why are we still not clapping, guys? See, Let's keep up, this going." Uh, once I was once I was old enough to be allowed to sit with my friends in church. Mm. Our thing was we always wanted to be, the, and it was a big congregation. First Alliance Church down in Calgary, there was like 1,600, 1,700 people sitting in, the, in, in those pews. Um, you'd always want to be the very last person to clap. So you want so to get that was, last clap. So there'd be like the clapping, 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 like, you then? know, the, whoever was there. And then, and then you know, and then and they'd get all the big guests, right? And then you clap, clap, and, and then stop, and then 
and then you would and then and then there'd just be these two jabronis yes. up in the back it was me and my pals and you always wanted to be the very last one until oftentimes like an usher would look back you get and, the stink and eye you'd, you'd get the stink <laughs> eye and it'd be like they're going to tell my parents Stop clowning around. You don't want Dr. Jesperson to find no, out. No, you don't want Dr. Jesperson and to find I, out. And I have to much. say, I refused to, like, I don't like to do standing O's. Like, I will I will reluctantly do a standing O. Really? Like, you think they're too uh, liberally handed out? Correct. Like, they gotta mean something, you know? But I, I will say, for the record, that I would have stood and I would have given the standing O for Zelensky. What has been, I'm putting on the spot here, a recently undeserved standing o that you can think of can you think of an undeserved standing o let me take you uh, to one johnny this is one where a lot of people have suggested in pro sports now it's getting out of hand when athletes that have played like 60 games with a team and had unspectacular careers get traded or leave and then come back to that team's arena and they get a big tribute video and everyone's going you used to have to like win a cup there or you used to have to have been the captain there or you used to have to have been a fan favorite to get the big tribute video when you come back. Now it seems like everybody gets the tribute video. Maybe we're getting soft. I, I don't think we have to do it. Like some places like Whenever we do it here with the Oilers, uh, it's always good. But it can backfire. Is it always good? Really? <laughs> well, I think people here are gracious is what I'm saying. I think Oilers fans, they're classy. Uh, they like when former players come back. But we've seen so many times when they try to run, especially in the States, and it just it embarrasses the person, especially if they've left on, you know, a trade or, uh, you know, uh, an injury where they felt they couldn't get the uh, surgery. They required and then okay. left. Did you like see so that one? To get a little bit controversial here. <laughs> I don't I know like this. It. I like it. Wow, it's uh, allegations, hints, allegations, and things left unsaid. Wasn't that Collective Soul? I think that was a Collective Soul album. <laughs> I can't get too into sports, right? Because yeah, uh, Kimberly says uh, she took the opportunity to separate conservatives and Canadians in her speech, and it was tasteless. Meantime, Sandra says this was an important applause, and stop equating this to a concert. Well, we're not. We're just having a little bit of fun with it. Life's serious enough without us taking the odd diversion here or there to have a little fun. You know Things what I mean? Things are bad. Things we are gotta bad. be light sometimes. Things are bad. We gotta be light. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I just really appreciate the fact that, like, with real talk, it's like having a conversation with friends, and you don't always just, like, start off right away and go hard into, like, did you hear about all this? Oh, tr- well, like, my well, Brian sometimes. Jean interview. My yeah. Brian Jean interview, right? Somebody wants me to go up one side of him and down the other. The guy just won a by-election. You get to chat with him for 10 minutes. Shoot the shit. Gracious guy, too. You know, very, talk to it. Have a good Hey, you might not vote for him. That's okay. Uh, this talk show is bullshit. If you are agreeing with and endorsing every single person you ever hear, as a matter of fact, if the show ever gets to that point, I'm out of here. And I would imagine the majority of you would be too. We've got some great shows coming up. We've got some great shows in store. Uh, I wanted to let you know that coming up tomorrow on Real Talk, we're going to take on that curriculum story that everybody's focusing on. We've got a panel coming up with experts, Dr. Carla Peck, Dr. Dwayne Donald, and Dr. Angela Grace. She's the one that called into the Premier's radio show this weekend. Plus, Kim Kardashian, Ray Nutson on how she built her wealth. Is it true nobody wants to work these days? Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, editorial producer Sarah Hoyles, technical producer John Hicks, managing director Josh Dunford, account coordinator Tanya Franklin, general manager Katie Cook-Chivers, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, 
Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.